When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in 072. We all squeeze the stick and we all pull the trigger, and all I remember is sitting beside you. You said you didn't give a fuck about hockey, and I never saw someone say that before. You held my hand and we walked home the long way. You were loosening my grip on Bobby. To another edition of the Bruins Beat, the second one of the regular season here on CLNS Media Network. I am Jimmy Murphy. My co-host Joe Gill is with us, and we have a special guest joining us. He covers the Boston and Providence Bruins for my site, Murphy's Hockey Law, Anthony Kwiatkowski. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here and, uh, you know, hopefully try to contribute in whatever positive way I can. Hopefully adding some good content to the podcast. Hey, don't See worry. With Joe on. and I, anything's better I think we have to give him a hockey name, don't you think? Yeah, we'll, we'll get that. We'll think of a good nickname soon, for sure. Uh, but, uh, Joe, um, I know that we, you know, we want to get into a lot of things, but one of the things uh, we've discussed, and I, I think that we're in agreement in general on it. You might be a little more negative than me, but I, I think overall you're in agreement. Is that, and usually I'm the pessimist. Usually I'm the negative guy when it comes to the Bruins. But man, we're five games in here, guys, and it's like the sky is falling, and, and everybody's just, you know, trade Tuca, screw him, and trade this guy, and fire, fire Cassidy, Ca- fire Cassidy already, and Jeez. you know, it's like <laughs> it's just one thing after another, and everybody's panicking, and again. We're five games in this season is very, very young. And, you know, anyone in the NHL, whether it's GMs or coaches or players or scouts, what have you, um, anyone will tell you you shouldn't really make a judgment until the American Thanksgiving. We're already past the Canadian one, obviously, but that only came two or three games in for every team. The American Thanksgiving is generally when teams have a good gauge on on what they're going to have for the season, what they may need to do trade-wise or – uh, you know, call up wise, uh, right now it's just sort of trial and error. They're getting a feel and, you know, I, I don't know about you. I'll let you take it first, Joe, but I, I just think there's a complete overreaction around Boston right now when it comes to the Boston Bruins. All right. Should I do, uh, the, uh, G rated version or the version I want to give? You give the Joe version. That's what we want. All right. Okay. Everybody in this fucking town is small rotten. Anthony, I don't know how old you are, but cover your ears, earmuffs. If you don't <laughs> like the language. 
Uh, I'm a grown man. Well, <laughs> I'm a grown man, grown, man. grown man child, rather, but close man enough. <laughs> there you go. I think we're going to call him the man child. There you go. That very hard works perfect for me. Um, I just think, because, you know, I'm in my mid 40s, as, as is Jim. Um, I think uh, I think you're in your twenties, probably. I might be wrong. Twenty three, twenty four so, November. Oh my God. I think you. Could, I think you're, you got a good head on your shoulders. I think you know that you're spoiled rotten when it comes yep. to sports. Because um, Jimmy and I remember when you know the only team that did anything in this town was the Celtics with the big three, the original big three, and uh, the Bruins were just two play, one or two players away, and then they were really bad for a while. The Patriots were really bad for a long time, and the Red Sox could never get out of their own way in the postseason. Now in the you know the millennium they we've won how I can't keep track of how many now let's see four three nine championships okay I don't know many cities that can say they have had nine championships in fifty years we have had nine and seventeen um, people are just we're rotten spoiled rotten brats that's what we are spoiled rotten brats I mean I'm you know two and three do they look like crap versus Vegas absolutely look like garbage versus Vegas but I mean it is five games in. Even though, as Jimmy yelled at me, I am taking extreme pleasure in seeing the Montreal Canadiens completely dump down the, the legs uh, during the first seven games of the season because they are Montreal. But Jimmy, because he lived up there and is, a, I think, a traitor, no. that you know, he, he, he loves the, uh, the French fries. No, there's nothing French to do with that, Joe. I, I, just, I just think you got enough to focus on here. There's, there's a big enough mess here that you shouldn't try and take pleasure in another one. Well, you should worry about your own backyard and – Right now, your backyard's just as messy as theirs. That, that's all I gotta say. And, and well, you just said you just, it's just said as messy as the New York Rangers. Yeah. yeah, but I'm, you just said I'm just negative. It's called a big mess. <laughs> okay, good point. It's a messy backyard. <laughs> that's not. It's, it's not. It's not a dump. It's not a dump yet. It's it's just a messy backyard, and and that can be yeah, cleaned it's up. It's like uh, you know, after a windstorm, you got a couple branches down. You got a couple. You know, we see those memes of uh, oh, the big storm hit, and you have like two uh, lawn chairs that fell over. That's exactly what's going on right now. Exactly. Everybody just pump the brakes. When we have a full lineup, when you have Bacchus in there and Berge, I could give a, a rat's ass about Spooner. When you get them both back in there and then they start really struggling for, what, eight to ten games in a row, then we can really get start shitting our pants. But right now, come on. Yeah, for sure. Anthony, what's your take so far on the, uh, as we seem to agree, the utter panic around the black and gold? I don't think there's a need for panic at all, just like you guys. I mean, it, it's a different, and you guys were just talking about the level of, of mess it was, whether it's a tropical storm or a full-blown hurricane. I, I think that it's definitely overblown, and Montreal and teams like Montreal, such as the Rangers, they're in a much worse position, I think, than the Bruins are. Salary I cap think hell. Salary cap hell, but just the fact that they don't necessarily have as much talent and youth as the Bruins do. Well, the, now, hey, by the way, guys, the Habs aren't in salary cap hell at all. They're actually no, no, they're not. Out of the, the Rangers three, are the best. The Rangers are, yeah, yeah. The Rangers are are also in in a prospect and future bind too because they solicited their future for zero cups so far. That yep. run they had a couple of years ago. Yep. Yes, and I think that they have some warranted reason to panic from their fan bases, which is. Their fan base is on Twitter, especially, is an absolute dumpster fire. But the Bruins, I don't think there's much reason to panic right now. They got their prime player, Patrice Bergeron, out with an injury. He's the glue to every equation for this team. He's coming back, thankfully. 
you know, Bacchus is another guy they introduced and whether people think that he's overpaid or the contract's bad or he's too old or slow, those are things, those are things up for debate, but he does provide something that this team needs, you know, him being on the, exactly him being on the fourth line even is better than him not being on the team right now. So once they get those guys back, I think it's going to be a lot better. My only gripe up until today when they were addressing it in practice was that the D pairs and some of the lines weren't really working mid game and Cassidy either tinkered with them in a negative way or when they were in a positive way, he kept tinkering. So that was addressed today in practice. I think the D pairs weren't as good as they could have been. You know, I I was a big advocate from the start of the season to have McAvoy next to Chara and next to Carlo, Carlo as your top four for, you know, a number of different reasons. And when those players were in those pairings during the games, they looked to be much better than what was being iced before that. So I think as that goes on, it's something that Bruce Cassidy is going to be finding out is just how good these D pairs look and what these line combinations look like and just finding the optimal combinations for them. So I I, I don't think the, the level of panics here to really suffice for what this team is. They're just going through some struggles out the gate. They're struggling with injury. The talent's there, and it will be there. So, Manchild, I think you made a good point. That's your new name. Um, <laughs> that just like when Bel- they talk about the Patriots, like Belichick is still trying to find his defense. Six games in the season, I think this is exactly what Cassie's doing. He's tinkering the lines. He's trying to figure out what's working. And I think you know when you get a quarter in the season, I think it's really going to be where he wants it to be. You know what I mean, lineup wise and line wise. So yet again, everybody get off the fucking Tobin Bridge, please, and just calm down. Yeah, you know sure. what? Jimmy's not going to catch you. I'm not going to catch you. And the man child, even though he has shoulders that carry the earth, he's not going to carry. You know, he's not going to catch you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and you know, I think another um, specific player that tends to um, get a lot of panic around him and a lot of harsh criticism, sometimes warranted, but most of the time not in our eyes. Uh, I think we all agree is Tuka Rask, and oh, uh, you know. Uh, speaking of Tukaras, too, we'll get to his injury in a second and what that might mean. Um, but it's just, it's unreal. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's oh, really unreal. And, and not only they criticize him, they twist his words. And, you know, early, earlier, I think it was last week, uh, after Colorado, the loss in Colorado, uh, he was just mentioning it. There were some grade-A opportunities. But he did, of course, say that I didn't stop, meaning, like, I could have stopped him. And he didn't get the job done. That's what he was trying to say. That's how I took it. But, of course, the mainstream media around here, <coughs> Felger, Maz, um, <laughs> decide that, you know, we're going to take that and twist it around and say that he's calling his teammates out and he's blaming everyone. Now, truth be told, Tuka Rask, and I, I criticized him for this. Many people did in the past, and it was warranted in the past, has indeed played the blame game before. But I don't think he's playing a blame game right now. He, he's just saying, look, everybody's going to step up right now, me included, and that's it. And then they take that and they, they basically just crap all over him. And, and they everybody, it seems, around the Bruins, uh, a lot of media and fans, look for reasons to hate Tuka Rask. And it, it, they do. And I, I, it really bugs me. You know, I mean, I, I just don't understand it because when it comes down to it, whether they want to admit it or not, he's still an elite NHL goaltender and it's early like it is for the team it's early for him right now he'll come around it takes a bit of time 
Joe, I know you are <laughs> so. Are you ready for the? Are you ready for the storm? Because yeah. it's coming. Let it let it rip, buddy. Let me hear. And then uh, and then the man child can bring me back to earth after. <laughs> um, the hater. Okay, here's the thing. I think this is to me the same thing as when Tom Brady retires. Whoever comes after him, Jimmy G, Jimmy Murphy, I don't know who, is never going to get a fair shake in the city because he's not Tom Brady. Same thing with Tim Thomas because uh, Tuca is never going to be Tim Thomas. I actually saw someone on my uh, Big Bad Bruins page uh, basically single-handedly blame Tuca for the 13-cup loss and the 2010 Philly meltdown. I'm thinking 2010, he beat out Tim Thomas because Tim Thomas sucked that year. Um, he was a rookie, I believe. I could be wrong. And he also was not the only reason they blew that lead. I mean, Crutchy got hurt, changed the whole complexion of that series because Crutchy was on fire. The whole complexion of that series. And they imploded from all whatever number of guys, I can't remember, on the bench at the same time. To, to, to Claude Julian, everyone's to blame on that, that meltdown. I mean, to blame one guy for, for that. And also, if I remember correctly, in the 13-game six uh, cup final, Boychuk was a turnstile on those goals, and that, that but the defense was as equally to blame as Tuca was for his last few goals to lose against Chicago, and it, people just need to get a grip. And you know, and, and if I just really like want to revisionist history, if they didn't win a cup, would Tuca get this much shit? Hell no. Let's be nope. truthful about it. There's no way. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. What was anyone saying about Tim Thomas before that year? You know, they act yeah, like Tim Thomas was this career-long, amazing goaltender. I mean, yeah, he won a Vesna in 2009. I get it. He, he was a great goaltender, but still, they, they, were, they were on him as much. And it just, it's this, it, it's kind of sad that it still exists. You know, it happens in baseball with a pitcher. It happens in hockey with a goalie. Like, right it's like, blame the goalie or blame the coach. You know, forget about the fact that there's five other guys in front of the, the goalie here, you know. That it takes a lot for the puck to get to the goalie, and there's a lot of mistakes usually made along the way. Somehow that's just disregarded, and I, I well, just think it's a childish approach by a lot of fans and media in Boston. How, how many how many goalies could stop? Uh, you know, you know when there's like a turnover, five like eight to ten feet in front of the net, and the guy just whips it by him. How many guys are going to be able to react like that when the, when the defense craps over their over their skates? I, I don't. Get it? Why he takes the brunt of all the, the beating? Has he played great this year? Not at all. Let's be truthful. He's not no. played good at all. But the thing is, those two years they missed the playoffs. They had they wouldn't even sniff the playoffs if it wasn't for him. And if it wasn't for him last year, they wouldn't have got in the playoffs. And if it wasn't for him to see, I think he stole at least one or maybe even two games against Ottawa. They wouldn't even been in the series. So let's cut cut the shit. I mean, honest to God, they're not going to win a cup for a couple more years. Tuca may be part of that. He may not be. But for him to take the only beat, I'm, dude, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sure he must feel it. He must see it. He must hear about it. Yeah, it's true. Andy. Yeah, there's there's so many things wrong with people blaming Tuka Rask. And I, I have to defend the wall every day on my Twitter. And it's just ridiculous some of the stuff the that, crew, that, brother. that people say. And, you know, people forget that Tuka Rask is the all-time leader in the NHL for save percentage. Yes, sir. All-time. And then they'll say, oh, well, his goals against isn't great. Okay, well, save percentage, that means that's how many shots he saved out of 100 on that scale. So Don't bring up numbers. Come on. Yeah, so so why is not having the best save percentage of all time something that's good or not? And they also question his – for some reason, and 
like Jimmy said, it started on Felger and Mass. This whole big game mentality. He won't win. He won't win or steal you the big game. Uh, you know, last year. So yeah, he did. And, and <laughs> my my point is that why do you have to get to the point where you're relying on your goaltender to win you that game? How about you go out there and score more than two goals <laughs> for once? True story. You know yeah. why? And and just like you saw in Chicago, why did Chris Kelly miss an open net in that oh. overtime game? Why did Casper uh, Dogvins pull a backhand yeah, and then up. miss? So why was Casper Dogvins on that team? Exactly. Oh, remember him? <laughs> well, I remember wait, the wait, dog, wait. Man. Didn't he have? If I remember correctly, it, it wasn't a shootout, but it was in overtime. Oh, he did something yeah. awful. It was he had a breakaway and he just fell he apart. Pulled, I remember carrying him uh, out of the greatest got... bar at five in the morning after that loss. But anyhow, <laughs> so yeah, if you remember that goal that Casper mm. Dogvins missed in. 2013 game four. I am not four. sure. I believe Might that was it. Yep. Whatever game went to triple overtime, it ended with oh, Andrew, was, oh, God, Andrew Shaw, I believe, shot it. It deflected off Ferentz's skate. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yep. Oh, so Casper's right. Dogvins then decided that he was going to make the move, which is, I think, what the coaching staff saw in him when they picked him up was that he made that shootout move against right. Tukarask at some point oh, that season. He didn't score, though, at, at, on that, I don't, I don't believe. He just made the, the nice play and it showed some kind of flash of greatness. But anyways, he actually pulled off this move and he, you know, he pulled the puck backhand. He got, you know, um, Crawford out of the net. And then instead of just tucking it in, he tried to go backhand forehand again or some fancy move and he missed. Now, Add that on to the fact that Chris Kelly missed a wide open that then, uh, too. And people want to blame Tuka Rask for getting you to quad, I mean, almost quadruple overtime. They were, what, 14 seconds away or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, just think about that series. If a couple of those overtimes go the other way, they win the series. And think about that, that just, playoff run, how insane uh, Tuka Rask was. I mean, oh, seven he, against Toronto when he made that incredible two yeah. on one Tim Thomas esque save. Yeah, or, out, or shutting down the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. They dominated the Rangers and the Penguins. Like, absolutely. But people forget that, you know, and they, yep. they need somebody to blame. And like I said, it's the easiest thing to do to blame the goalie. And, and I hate when they don't have their stats to back it up. And, you know, you mentioned to me, Joe, you want to tell them about it? there was a, uh, a blog. Article. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, my my crazy uh, bros from the uh, days of your blog, Pez, he uh, he's a big Tuca guy as well, and he uh, put together an article talking about you know hypotheticals if Dobie played as many games as Tuca or McIntyre played as many games as Tuca, and then you know he put out, got all his uh, his stats together and all that. Basically, they all are worse. So you know with the Dobie stuff and the McIntyre stuff, you know the, my whole thing too is. When people bitch and moan about Tuca, they never have a plan. There's never a solution. There's no young stud in the no. minor league system that's going to come up and dominate. Because if and, there's a and, kid out there that had had some potential, I'd be like, all right, give him a shake maybe. But there's no, there is no kid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, so it's I, like, the only, you know, the stop only, bitching and come up with a solution. Then we can have a discussion and say you just crucifying the guy. Yeah, the only other option would be to let McIntyre, who I'm high on, I, I think he's a, a very good goaltender with – starting number one potential for a team. Potential is a key word there. Yeah, yes, right. exactly. He's right. No, he's, he's not a call-up right now that you can throw him in and, and, you know, go win five games when you need it. But, you know, and as Jimmy said, Felger and Maz kind of started this whole anti-Tuka thing. Felger's big thing over last year, and thankfully Ben Bishop signed with 
the Dallas Stars so that talking about injuries. talking about that. You know, he keeps saying how Ben Bishop was the guy and go get yourself a, a you know, a four and a half to five and a half million dollar goaltender, save the money, spend it elsewhere. Okay, A, where are you going to spend it? B, why Ben Bishop? You talk about a Injury guy. Prone. He's he's he has only started two seasons, sixty games or more in his really? entire NHL career. Wow. Yeah, and he's older than Tuukka Rask, mind you, too. <laughs> not not by much, but he's still older than him. But also, so, I mean, can you can you blame Tuukka that that was the going market for goalies at that time when Sorelli gave him a deal? I mean, are you kidding me? That's not his fault. No, I I don't I don't fault him for that either, and and I don't even disagree that that Rask isn't overpaid. I don't think he is personally because what you get from him season to season is consistency. You look at other cheaper goalies in that range that people talk about, like Jake Allen, for example, he's as Jekyll and Hyde as they come. You don't mm-hmm. know what Jake Allen you're going to get game to game. Right. And it's, it's, it's not like Corey Crawford who, you know, makes five and a half to $6 million in that range where he has one of the three best pure defensemen in the NHL, Duncan Keith in front of him. You have to cover up his glove hand problems. Yep. Yeah. So, and you add that in with Brent Seabrook as well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Brent Seabrook's a top pairing defender on just about any other NHL team alone. And you look at the you look at the goalies in the league who are making that four and a half to five million dollar salary. They all have pretty much good defenses in front of them. And if they're not great defenses, they're top fours. They're better than the Bruins. The Bruins. Yeah. Now this season is probably up for debate because I think the addition of adding a 19-year-old top-pairing defender is definitely putting you a lot higher on the list of team defensive cores than a lot of people give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, as good as Brandon Carlo played last year, he's not a top-pairing defender. Now, Chara right. last year is is definitely a little bit faster and quicker on the draw than Chara this year. And it's just an age thing. He's still playing good. He's still a top four defenseman. And he always will be until he can't play anymore. But I, I mean, I, I wish they still went out and got a you know veteran defenseman that was proven. You know what I mean? I do too. But there wasn't anywhere to put him, unfortunately. I mean, well, with the kid, yeah. I mean, I think they're just going the kid route and just going to take their lumps as they go. So yeah, exactly. And and I will gladly take the lumps of Brandon Carlo from last year, who had a, a shaky second half, but he still True. played well. He was still a top four defenseman at the age of 20 years old. And, you know, the Bruins have a much better defensive core now with McAvoy in it than they did last year. Because that means Adam McQuaid doesn't have to play in the top four. Thank God. And, yeah, and thankfully, but he's another one that, that, you know, I'm sure we'll touch upon at some point is I don't blame him for not being able to provide a top four presence because he's not a top four defenseman. Yeah, and you can't blame him for his contract. That's another exactly. thing I hate about when fans do that is, well, I, I, he's making this money. But would you have said no to that contract? It's not his fault they offered it to him. That's the, that's the market. That's just what the market is. Yeah. It is because because he is a steady defender, regardless of of you know if he's going to contribute offensively or not or transition the puck well. He's just a solid veteran defender, yeah. and if he's healthy, he's worth that money. That's not that bad. Two point seven five million a year for Adam McQuaid. I, I mean, he's he's a good defender. That's he's a stay at home defenseman. And go ahead. go ahead. You know, to to tie my point back into 
you know, before I went on this defensive tangent, Sukarask <laughs> didn't have that defense that he has even this year, a couple years ago. They've nope. been looking for that piece to replace Boychuk for a while, and they haven't been able to. Yeah. And even when Dougie Hamilton was here, I don't think Dougie Hamilton was that great here. He's not a defensive defenseman. He's not. No, exactly. But he's still a good defenseman, and he's still a top four defender that they didn't replace immediately. So these other teams that have these goaltenders that fans, you know, rant and rave about, oh, go get yourself a four and a half million dollar goalie. He makes too much. You know, first of all, it's only two and a half more money, two and a half less million dollars than Tuka makes. So how's Carey Price doing right now? Exactly. And he's the best. He's the best goalie in the world. Yeah. 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 So, but you know, that's another thing. Just like Bruins fans are freaking out. They're freaking out about, it's like, come on. I mean, he's yep. Carey Price. He's going to come out of it. You, he's not your. He's not your biggest worry, and that's what I. I, I think the biggest thing is is that, I, I think that a lot of the the media here and the fans tend to not realize or not want. Maybe it's just they don't want to recognize what the true concerns are. And sure. you made a great point there, uh, Anthony. Is that this isn't. I don't even know if I don't know if you could. Cut, it's a borderline playoff defense sure. right now, and yes, it's got potential, and it may realize that potential this season. It may realize it a few weeks from now. Who knows? But the bottom line is, is that there are so many more better blue lines out there, and to turn around and just shift the blame solely on Tuka Rask is to me asinine. One thing I want to get to though, guys, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the injuries. And then we'll look ahead to some of the games coming up. But an interesting thing I've noticed, and Cassidy started it, all right, and then the players have kind of the veteran players, so to speak, that are around right now. I mean, obviously Bacchus and Bergeron aren't there, but I'm sure they'll be doing the same thing. And credit to them. Uh, you know, everybody's saying, oh, well, this is kind of the way it is. And, you know, when people, the reporters say to some of the veteran so-called leaders in this dressing room, they say, you know, is this just one of those things where you got to take your bumps with all the, the growing pains here and, and a lot of the young players? They say, yeah, but it's it's our job, and coach will say it's my job to have them prepared. And then the leaders in the dress room, like Achar or what have you, are saying, well, it's, it's our job to lead the way and do that. Well, obviously, they're not doing that right now. They may be saying the right things. And, and I'm looking big picture here right now. And I, I don't mean – I'm not by any means – panicking like we criticized so many people for doing here. I'm not by any means saying this, but I want to get your take on the veteran core in here. And is it the right core? And this is something I, I looked at over the last two years, and I came to the conclusion that maybe it's not. and Maybe they have to shake that up a bit. Do they have the right core in place to lead these young players? Is a David Krejci the type of guy you want to lead the way for those forwards around him right now, you know, yeah, he's got a good resume on paper, but what kind of leader is he truly? And, and I'm interested to get your take on that. It, if things don't get better and they're still kind of playing like this around American Thanksgiving, do they maybe need to think about trading one of the big names on this team that have been there for a while since the cup run? Well, the, the guy that would go, of course, would be Crutchy. I, I don't think Marshawn, Bergeron, Char are going anywhere. So, well, obviously, I think he's, it, it depends on what your dance partner in the trade wants, too. Right? Yeah, right. But I, 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 I but if you had to choose, it would be Crutchy. 
Well, I, mean, I think Crutchy was playing good in that first game or two with the with the kids, and then I think they've all just played pretty shitty. I mean, I think uh, I think a bunch of uh, you know blind people in wheelchairs could have beat the freaking Coyotes. So I, I'm not going to put too much in uh, on that because Coyotes are just they are horrible. Um, but yeah, they go into a, you know they go into Vegas and they play a team that's you know got a big thing happening in that city and. They get, you know, they're uplifting their fans and they're riding that kind of that aura, momentum, what have you, kind of like you know the Sox did here back in the, you know, back in thirteen. And the Bruins. And they, and they're playing Bruins with house too. money, right? They have nothing to lose, really, if you think about it. Oh. They, they were expansion team, have nothing to lose. Nice pun just, there. I like that, Joe. Did you mean that? What's that? You said house money, Vegas. You, uh, yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> um, I've been to Vegas a few times. Um, yeah, but yeah, but you know what I mean. And now, you know, and then you got. When they, when they, back to what we talked about with Tuca, when, they, you know, when Subban beat, beat the Bruins, everybody's like, oh, here we go. You know, we should have kept Subban. I'm like, oh, please stop. He was not going to play. He was not going to be well good here. He's just not going to be. But like you said, because he, he, was, he was in the same division as his brother at one point. He was in Boston, original six team. Now he's in the expansions. He'd probably be able to, he probably relaxes more. You know what I mean? They don't expect anything of him, really, if you think about it. And that's, and he's, he's going to flourish in that low, an intense environment. So people who want Subban back, cut the shit, please. But back to what I'm saying, though. It, 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 what about Char? So, so Go ahead, I, Anthony. Here, um, Joe, I, I think I, I definitely agree that Krejci played well in the first two games. And, and you know, I, I think to, to disagree with you a bit, I think the line of DeBrusque, Krejci, and Bjork has been a shining star for all of the games. Even the ones that they haven't played well necessarily – I still think they're doing the right things. It's just when you have two rookies on your line, it's hard to get true offense generating constantly. And they're making mistakes, yes, but I think their possession game is good. I think they're moving the puck well, and I I think they're definitely trending in the right direction. I I think they've played well. But besides that, Back to what I'm saying, though, about Yes, back. Yes. So, you know, both of you just mentioned that David Krejci would be the one that you would want to go in a trade if – that had to happen. And Jimmy, you mentioned something about it depends what your dancing partner, you know, for a trade wants too, but it also depends on what Krejci wants. Right. True. He's a, he is a full no trade. After oh, this I was going to mention that. Oh God. It's sure so, like, like candy. Yeah. So you can't make a trade unless he says yes to it because his, his no trade isn't modified. It's a full no trade. Mm. So, you know what? I, I think he would accept getting out of here. I think he. I think he's been here in the critics the last few years too. I, I think he's more open. No, he's got kids that are starting yep. to get into school. Oh, okay. He's comfortable yeah. here. It's just like Char, and, and that's. See, my thing is, I think right now, and and, and I will put the blame on, on Shirelli a bit, but he wasn't the only GM that was doing Ooh, this at the time. Jimmy. No, I agree <laughs> with you. I, I'm not just going to single out Shirelli though. I think that a lot of GMs are regretting the no movements and no trades that they felt they had to give to lock up their core, you know, over the last five to seven years. But my main issue, I think when it comes to this leadership core, and I'm going to put Bergeron right in here. And obviously I still think he's a great leader. I don't think he's the problem by any means, but I think when it comes to this leadership core, and like I said, I, I, I think this is going on in other cities as well for other teams as well. There's too much of a, sort of a comfort level and invincibility feel like I don't have to worry about it. Yes, because I have a no-trade clause, so I'll make the final call on that. 
my place is secured here. And yeah, I've got these young guys coming in. And yeah, maybe they're gonna they're gonna minimize my playing minutes a bit if they do better than me and if they work harder than me. But I know I always have my spot. And you know, if they did try and trade me, there's not many teams that are gonna be able to handle my salary. They know this. And I'm wondering Guys, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, and, I, and I'm not saying these guys are bad leaders by any means. I'm just saying that, you know, much like everyone said about Claude Julien, that his time had come and it had run his course. Thank you for the memories, and you did a great job here, but every good thing must come to an end. You know, did the Bruins not, or did they end the wrong part of the core, as opposed to end some of the other players that maybe would have helped this transition a little better? And I look at, you know, obviously he didn't have a choice with Mark Recchi. He retired. But, you know, you bring up Chris Kelly missing an empty net. But you know what I see? I see them not making the Stanley Cup final in 2011 or not making it in 2013 without a Chris Kelly. Because I know Absolutely. for a fact, I know for a fact that his value, and you can knock Chiarelli, and that's where I get off, I get so mad at people bashing Chiarelli for him giving the contract he did to Kelly because they didn't see what I saw firsthand in the dressing room. They didn't they didn't walk into a dressing room by accident and all of a sudden oh sorry for that car alarm on the side guys. Uh they didn't see, you know, Chris Kelly, not knowing I was there, rip into his team and, and, and just chew him a new one and, and and then they go out and they win like five in a row. They they don't understand what guys like that mean. Yeah, their stats may not show it. But there's something to be said for leadership. And did they not go out? My problem is I don't think they ever went out and replaced Recky or Kelly. And I think that's hurt. Sean right Thornton now. or Aaron or Thornton. Uh, Andrew Sean Ferentz. Thornton's a great one. Yeah, Andrew Ferentz is another great one. But, uh, like, I didn't see enough emphasis on going out and bringing in those right guys. And obviously maybe they that's what they thought when they gave that contract to David Backus. That's Backus. what they thought they were getting. Yeah. But I don't necessarily see that, guys. When I'm in that that dressing room, I don't see the youngsters sort of looking at Bacchus that way. Like the way they looked at a Chris Kelly or the way lo- they looked at a Mark Recchi. I don't, I don't get that connection right now. And well, those teams were, with Chris Kelly, those teams were older than they are now. So it's a, that was a little different, right? Those guys were a lot older. Really? And you had Sagan. Marshawn was the same age. Sagan was you got a lot, really you got a lot young. of rookies on the team now. No, they, they, they had a very young part of that team and they all look at these guys like they were a god like i need to learn everything i can i need to just absorb everything i can from these guys because they've seen it all i don't now maybe i'm just not seeing it period and maybe it's going on and i'm just not seeing it but if it is going on i haven't seen it translate on the ice yet and that's something that i think yeah i don't think it's a major issue right now but it's something we need to keep an eye on and in the the thing that spurred this for me was watching the Celtics the other night oh, when God. one of their you know their key signings in the offseason. Now, given that's a whole new team, so it's not like they have all these established guys yet. But the way that team bounced back, and yeah, they lost the game, but the way they fought in the second yeah, half to take the lead, and they ended up losing, but they were one shot away after what had happened with the, the magnitude of that. That uh. was probably one of the, the most hyped up, Season opening games in any sport I can remember with all the storylines going in and then what happens in the beginning and just the sort of the what cast over the whole arena and the game and everything. 
you couldn't have blamed them if they walked out of there and they lost by 40. Nobody would have blamed them or knocked them at all because of what happened you, to Gordon Hayward. It was like the exact opposite uh, reaction of when uh, Savai got laid out. That they didn't do anything. Remember right. that? They didn't do a damn thing, and they lost that game, I'm pretty sure. Right. They, yeah, they just... So what I'm trying to say is the, the Bruins got out. Bacchus and Bergeron out right now. Why couldn't they respond that way? Why haven't we seen that fight that we saw in one half from the Celtics... Why haven't we well, seen it in five games well, my, from the My Bruins? major problem with the uh, the Vegas loss was there was no effort. Exactly. And that, I'm just that whole game was sucking, I'm not, period. I mean, I, I'm not saying we have to pull the panic button yet. I'm just saying there's a trend there that we have to be careful of and, and, and kind of revisit a few weeks or a month or two months from now. If we still see stuff like this where they're lifeless and they're, they're looking at, oh, well, we got this guy out, and they, they kind of almost are feeling sorry for themselves – that's a big thing to worry about well, as the season I mean, goes on. That's what happened with Claude down the stretch a lot. The teams just came out listless, dead, dead man skating. But, okay, so that's, so my point is, though, Joe, guess what? Your scapegoat, Claude Julian's in Montreal now. He's not here. No, no, and that no, team, no. I'm saying that. That, that team right now, of, this team right now looks the same way they look like when Claude got fired. Okay? No. They look the same way. And, and, no, no, no. Well, what I'm trying to say is that there might be guys in that locker room that are still there. Exactly. That are... That's my point. Right. And, yeah, I'm, they're, and, they're very and, well. Oh, by the way, maybe this proves that Claude wasn't necessarily the major problem. But anyway, oh, God. He wasn't, he wasn't the answer either. <laughs> he wasn't the answer either, but he wasn't the major problem. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, Bruce Cassidy hasn't shown to be the answer either. Thank and you. so when, when he came in last year, yes, they ended he up going on a nice little run there. They were on fire last year. They were on fire yeah. last year. And, and – is that necessarily on the coach or the team waking up? Because that team was the same. Yeah. Nothing maybe changed. They all, maybe they all realized that they got a Stanley Cup winning coach fired. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Exa- no, you're absolutely right, Joe. But that whole that, feeling has gone now. So. That's gone now. And, yeah. So I think that some players in the locker room and on this team, I think that some of them might be too complacent right now where they are, exactly. especially some of the older guys. And even Marshawn, I lump him into this too. Yeah, he scores a lot in the regular season, but when grinding time comes in the playoffs, where is he? Oh, yeah. he did nothing. Well, when either. grinding time comes right now, when they're trying to pull out of a slump, where is he? I'll, I'll give him some credit there. The last two games he has pulled it out and he's looked like himself. I okay. definitely give him that credit. But, my my point is that I think the hunger level that you saw when you were exactly. you know That's covering the Bruins in, in the locker room with you know Chris Kelly and Sean Thornton, none of those guys had won. I mean Thornton did, but for the majority, none of them had won, and they were all hungry for that first win. The media, national and locally, was were bashing them. They've gotten so far. They had that reverse sweep happen to them in Philly. They wanted it. And the guys like Lucic and Horton and Bergeron and Marshawn, they all wanted it bad. Chara wanted it bad. Krejci wanted it bad. They all did. Now, a lot of them have grown up. You know, Krejci has a family now. And Marshawn has his ring. He has his money. Pasternak yes, he, has his Marshawn's money. Marshawn's married now, too. He's settled yep. down. He's not the, mar- yep. the party man he used to be. No. And that might be for the better because now he's clearly done something right. He's focused you know, he's, on he's hockey, on the, which is good, yeah. 39 goals last year, 37 the year before out of nowhere. Right. But I I think that even if they are slumping still, I think that's just the growing pain. And I think this infusion, 
of these hungry, youthful players now is going to provide a similar environment in a year or two now that we saw in 2011 when they won the cup. Okay. And that, you know, and that's when I wanted, th- I'm with you there, Anthony. And that's one of the things too, that I should have mentioned there. I- am I looking for too early? Is that, you know, is it just something that's going to have to materialize and, and grow on its own here? Or can Don Sweeney make a move to reignite that fire? Or is it, or does he want to, or is his plan just to let it ignite itself? And I think that's going to be something interesting. And I wasn't trying to question these guys as leaders. or I'm just trying to say it's natural tendency. It's human tendency, as you just pointed out as well, Anthony, for them to become a little complacent. And I'm wondering, were we getting a little ahead of ourselves coming into this season? And I'm really included. Like, I'm in this. I, I got on that sort of, the youth is coming. This is They're going to take another step this year. Maybe they're not. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that because whether we want to admit it or not, whether the Bruins want to admit it or not, they're still rebuilding. And that's something that I think maybe we've seen in these first five games. Who knows? They turn it around, guys. Who knows? But I think we need need to keep that in mind going forward and sort of temper our enthusiasm, so to speak. Well, well, the main thing is, at the end of the day, we need to see the effort. They're not going to win everything. And our negativity, right? I mean, that's what we started the show with. We need to temper well, our emotions when it comes to this team and, and well, just sort of roll with it. Well, yeah. I mean, you've been waffling a lot this show, saying that, you know, <laughs> they're, 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 you know, you should lay off them, but they're a mess. Yeah. And that, you know, maybe they're not that good. I didn't you know, tell I you I'm going to become a politician. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you still have a lot of that Montreal, uh, when you look at Montreal, that, 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 that smut and dirt on you still from Montreal, <laughs> that waffling uh, and the, um, you know, the, the club's super the, the, sexy. No, that, that poutine, Derek. That's what I have. Yeah, the I, poutine, I did have poutine uh, before this podcast. The Beatles pub. Yeah. <laughs> now the Yager. Um, <laughs> you know, Jimmy. But anyway, you know, I, I think uh, you want you want to look at the games coming up and do quick predictions here? Or? I don't look for predictions for the games, but, I mean, I think something we look at, obviously, it, it, it seems they might have Bacchus back and Bergeron back soon. Look at they thought with Bacchus. Yeah. I'm surprised you skating because I've had that diverticulitis and that is not good time. It's something that's he's good a, to come back, He's though. as tough as they come. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what about when was it? Oh, when Brent Seabrook absolutely killed him in that playoff game yep. and gave him a severe concussion. He got up dazed, still looking to fight, pulling oh, people. Well, had to be held up against the board because he was hey, falling I, over. Guys, I saw a little maybe, bat, uh, maybe, maybe there's a spark they need right there. You know, I mean, we've absolutely. seen Bergeron battle back from injuries. We've seen how tough he is. But maybe, you know, maybe maybe they should go in tomorrow and give a, uh, a medical lesson on diverticulitis so so they understand what the poor guy's <laughs> been through. And holy shit, no pun intended or a pun very much intended, this poor guy is back and he's he's willing to play and go to battle for us. Maybe that's what the young guys need. I don't know. I'm just saying there just seems to be – Something missing, but I'm not knocking him for that. Maybe it's just something that's going to come with time. And like we said in the beginning of the show, we got to be a little more patient. Let, let me give you a quick thing I just saw on social media. I don't know if you saw the bet that McAvoy and Bacchus made. Yes. Uh, with no. the Terry, you know, BU. And I don't know. Who did Bacchus Minnes- play it's, for? Uh, Minnesota, Minnesota State. Yeah, oh, Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota State. Yeah. Smoked them. Yeah, so if Bacchus, you know, if the Terriers, uh, you know, swept uh, his team, Bacchus' team, he had to buy uh, uh, McAvoy dinner on the road. And if uh, 
the Terriers got swept. That means he had to clean up the dog shit in Bax's yard. So there's a nice picture of uh, McAvoy with a shovel cleaning up dog shit, which I found funny. But if you think about the whole thing about leadership, he here he is with a young kid having some fun, yep. making a bet. That's you know, good. you know what I mean? Okay, like, I didn't see that. That's that's a good sign right there. I like that. Yeah, and so there that was, was kind of too. funny. Now, uh, something see, me, and, point... me and the man child are up on the social medias hey, and I the apologize. viral contents. Yes. That's true. That's true. Now, something to mention about that is there was also a video of him pooping, scooping as it oh, was no quoted in the. Is this on yeah, the Bruins as, feed? No, it's on Bacchus's. So if you go on uh, David Bacchus's Twitter, Bacchus took a picture of the uh, of his uh, text messages with uh, Charlie and stuff. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. So that's the stuff they you know need to do. That's the stuff yep. to you know jump around and things like that. Now, yeah. in in the video, something to point out as well, which. Definitely carries on your point there, Joe. Is that behind Bacchus? It, it wasn't shown, but you can hear his daughter interacting and laughing with him, and that is cool a testament. It, it is a cool. It, it is cool because it's a testament of just who David Bacchus is as a leader and a player. Mm-hmm. That he has nineteen-year-old Charlie McAvoy interacting with his family, you know, right. and in a new city and a new town. And well, it's last a new city year, for him, but I know what you mean. Yeah, Something yeah, that Sagan yeah. should have done, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> uh, well, they tried with Sagan. I, I yeah. don't blame the Bruins one bit for that. Don't knock yeah, the Jimmy, Bruins for that. Jimmy, Jimmy's been connected there, so he yeah. knows that. Oh, he knows but, about it all. No, yeah. he, but they, my, they tried to get him a, a billet house, too, with Recky, and he adamantly, and his agent adamantly refused. His parents, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, so I don't blame the Bruins there. But go on, Anthony. Back to my point on Bacchus and his leadership is that what was missing from here is that kind of fun attitude between youth and integration because, you know, you saw some players around the locker room and, and around the games who didn't necessarily show the char- the characteristics of having fun like that, you know? Mm-hmm. You saw older guys and they were just so serious all the time and the vibe in the locker room wasn't that great. Now you add the youthful Charlie McAvoy, who McAvoy is one of those players who absolutely loves the game of hockey. From youth hockey to professional hockey, he's always just loved the game. And that's such a rare quality in today's kind of professional PR-driven sports world is players who just generally love the game. And that helps, too. So the youth infusion, along with adding another hungry guy who's never won a cup before, David Backus, that helps. And, you know, know, yeah, go ahead, sir. So, Jimmy, as, as you said earlier, that maybe you just haven't seen it yet. And well, it guys, now that I so... see this, and I, as you speak, I'm <laughs> watching the the video. It, you know, this is exactly what I was talking about. And, yep. I, and, and so, I'm going to waffle again, Joe. I'm psyched to see this. This is exactly you, you got more waffle. You got more waffles than uh, the Denny, Waffle House. Man. Come on, now. yeah. Listen, this is this is no, but this is exactly what I was for the last few days or even a week. As I saw this team struggle, you know, amidst all that excitement after the season opener and all the excitement coming into the season and just sort of this, like, crash landing, so to speak, and this, ooh, maybe they aren't. We're, this is exactly what I was saying. Like, this is what they're missing. And now we see this. Good on David Backus. That's what this team needs. Yep. They need to form Absolutely. that you sort guys, of cohesiveness you guys remember between the-, the veterans and the youth, like, like Anthony said. And if this is what Backus is doing, man— Good for him. I want to see something like this from Char, though, and I know it's not in his personality, but if 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 he was to do something like this, I think it would just help this team, the team so much because 
talking to guys that played with Chara, younger guys that played with him coming up the ranks and are in other places now, they were saying, look, this guy's a warrior. He goes out there. He's 110% on the ice every time, no matter. We know he's going to give his all. But there was just sort of that never social bond, so to speak. And, and <laughs> you see Bacchus do that. It would be great to see Chara pull something like that. It would be, you know, I think it would do wonders for the team. I mean, I don't think it would be a bad idea to do something. I know it's regular season, but like what they did in 11 with that starter jacket or 13 with the military jacket when, you know, they gave the guy the game. Yeah. I think that'd be great for the kids. You know, stuff like you know that what is mean? awesome. Like, like, yep. You know, DeBrus gets it or, or, you know, Bjork gets it or one of those guys. I mean, I think that that kind of gets the chemistry, as we talked about, uh, gets more of like have a, uh, you know, a, a brotherhood, if you will. I mean – you know, when you're a young guy, you, you still you kind of intimidated by the Burgies and the and the Charas and all that because they've been in the league for so many years. But I think that's what those teams had in 11, 12, 13, uh, even though they lost in 12. I think, what did they do in 12? Was it an anchor? Something crazy like that in 12, even though they didn't go far in the playoffs. But they still had something um, to kind of give that guy who went above and beyond. I think that'd be good if they did something, you know, even the regular season. Yeah, just camaraderie. You just want to see that build. But like yeah. I said, it's early, and you, you got to give it time. Let it, let it build itself. Yep. It has to be organic. Waffle, too. Jimmy, you waffle so much. Dude, you know what? It's like watching a tennis match. You calling him, you calling him Manchild? My nickname now should be uh, Murphy. Teeny Waffle. No, there you go. You're gonna be yeah, J- Jimmy waffle. Murph. Jimmy Murphy Obama. I'm gonna hey Jimmy. Why don't you Lego my ego? Because this is what this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were like you. Uh, wow. I'll tell you what, you, Joe. You know, you know, I have uh, I have celiac, so I have to be gluten free. We've discussed this before. Oh, one of my yeah. one of my most favorite gluten free treats are gluten free blueberry waffles. So there you go. Oh, God. It says it all, man. Now you now Jimmy you know what to get me. The waffle Murray. Yeah. I mean Murphy. Jimmy the waffle Mur- Murphy. I mean I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you right now, man. Child's better than a waffle, but I'm just saying you're the waffle. <laughs> just too much syrup on that waffle, my friend. My God. <laughs> So, hey, anywho. Anyhow, buddy. All right, well, this is good stuff, guys. I mean, what are, they got They got a lot of home games coming up. Now, we know in the past that it hasn't necessarily shit. been a great thing for the Boston Bruins. It's almost been a bad thing. Oh, um, but maybe they can change that here. It'll be interesting to see how they come out of the gate. Uh, Ryan Spooner, it was announced before we recorded this. Uh, he's going to be out four to six weeks. What is it, with a torn ab, dacta, groin? Hey, easy now. You know what? I think Ryan Spooner. Someone said actually, that, actually. I've been Someone the biggest Ryan Spooner hater in the world, but I give him credit. I thought the kid had a great camp. He actually finally showed some cojones and, and, and played to his potential. And I, 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 I actually thought he was going to be a good part of this team. So that's too bad. And, and you know, Anthony, hey, you know, before we go on, Anthony, you made a good point before we started recording. You know, we're, we're talking about trades here in the show. And. A guy we always heard, I heard him. I mean, I know plenty of teams, uh, plenty of GMs I talked to that had inquired or Don Sweeney had inquired with them to, to gauge their interest on Ryan Spooner. Uh, they've missed the boat now on that because oh, if he was going to come out and increase his value, that's not going to happen now because of this injury. Nope. So uh, they're stuck with him for the season. Unless you trade him two years ago. Well, they, they, they might be stuck with him in, in the – present but halfway through the season after a month of him coming back two months from now if he's playing well they can move him it all depends who comes in though because if riley nash can't you know fill that void at center at third line which i think he can personally i would much rather see david backus 
go into the third line center slot with Riley Nash centering the fourth line. But if Ryan Spooner is still the best option, even while sideline, you know, if they recall young Forrest back of Carlson over there, young JFK, and he doesn't fit the bill of what they need right now and he's not ready, then they might not have an option but to keep him. Because although he hasn't lived up to his potential as a top six forward, he's still a viable NHL center at the moment. He's an NHL player. He's not an AHL guy. He's not in between. He's not a tweener. He is a proven NHL forward. And anytime a team subtracts an NHL forward without one directly there to replace him, that is better or equivalent, you don't know what's really going to happen there. So I still think Ryan Spooner has trade value. It might be pennies on the dollar, but if they wanted to move him, I think they could move him now. And I think that them signing him to a one-year deal means that they actually didn't want to move him because they're giving him a year to actually prove his worth. So I think they probably have explored trading him but for right now i think he's still valuable to this team in some way now that could all change next week if Forsbacka carlson gets called up and looks as good as he did in training camp there or i i mean he looks absolutely outstanding in the ahl right now so if he looks like that come two weeks from now and he gets a glimpse of the third line center and he's playing it well then that's something else that they'll have to figure out but I, I think they made the right moves with the call-ups today, too. So Yeah, yeah, and I think, as you and I were both saying, off the Kenny Agostino, a journeyman, for whatever reason, even though he came up and did produce in St. Louis, he, he didn't end up staying there. Uh, I, I turned, you know, and, and you agree, you pointed it out, and I agree with you, he's not necessarily uh, as much of a grinder as a, a Glenn Metropolitan. He, he's got some scoring talent, but... The role that Metropolitan played when he came into that young team, when that whole sort of Chiarelli Julian era began in 0708, he was a key part of that. He was a key veteran in that dressing room. Found sure. a niche there, really found a home there, and parlayed it into a contract, uh, I believe, with the Flyers, and then did two years with the Canadians and helped out a young team there make the conference finals. Uh, I. I, I I don't know. I got this good feeling about Agostino coming in that he could, he could play sort of a role like that. So it's going to be interesting to see if he sticks. Jim, are you going to bring up like a Bruce Shoebottom or a Ken Baumgartner reference next time? Bring it up Metropolitan. I, I, I got to stay within uh, within Anthony's life here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Shoebottom, though. Those are days. Remember guys uh, throwing shoes on the ice when he fought? Was, that was awesome. What a Quick, quick story about Bruce Shubham. So, right. uh, and, and, and we got to wind it down here, my friend, because uh, the Waffle Man uh, needs his sleep so I can get up and have some waffles. I'm, all right, gonna, all right. You, you, you know, you, you hold on to your syrup, there, Waffle Man. <laughs> so, quickly, the Bruins used to practice in Restouche in Wilmington, and uh, I used to go there when all the players were there and so forth. I go there, and I, you know, I saw Shubham. My friend, I said, "Hey," and he went, "Ugh." It's a true story. The guy just grunted like a big caveman, scared the living shit out of us. So the guy was a beast, scariest guy, probably one of the scariest guys I ever met in my life. So, okay, Waffle Man, you can go have your leg with my ego. <laughs> hey, listen, Anthony uh, Kwiatkowski, thank you for joining us, my friend. Uh, everybody listening, definitely check him out on my website, murphyshockeylaw.net. Uh, he does a great job, uh, especially with these guys that you're seeing. He's a good guy to read now and follow on Twitter, at Bruins Network, uh, because of the constant call-ups uh, that the Bruins are going to be doing, not just for injuries, but also giving a lot of these young guys looks. 
Uh, Anthony's on top of that. He's down there at all the Providence games, uh, credentialed. So uh, he's a good guy to fall for that. Check him out there. And I, like I said, on my site, murphyshockeylove.net. And Joe, a pleasure as always, my friend. Uh, of course, my friend. And before we go, guys, uh, you know, not to end on a sad note, but uh, on Wednesday, October 18th, uh, one of my favorite musicians, um, and I, I wrote a piece about this, and, and it really it intertwines with not just Canada and hockey, um, but it's got a very strong connection to the Boston Bruins because uh, I'm sure you guys heard uh, Gord Downey, the lead singer of the Tragically Hip, uh, passed away at the age of 53, uh, succumbing to cancer. Uh, really sad stuff. And you got to look it up. Yeah. Uh, he did a the, him and the, the hip did a farewell tour. Uh, he knew he was going to die, and when he found out, he said, "That's oh. it. Fuck it. I'm going out on tour." Uh, and he toured yeah. across Canada, and he finished his final show ever um, was in his hometown of Kingston, Ontario. You, you might know it, uh, Don Cherry's hometown. Uh, plenty of hockey players have come there, uh, come from there as well. Uh, he was good friends with Bobby Orr, um, but his real strong Bruins connection and the reason that uh, Gord Downey was probably one of the, the biggest Bruins fans around and one of the biggest in show business for sure. You know, he was obviously 53, so he got to see uh, when he was a young lad, he saw those those cup wins with Sinden and, um, you know, we, we send our condolences uh, to nice. the Downey family, to the hip, to, to Harry Sinden, uh, to his friends and you know, to everyone he called friends, which were his fans. And, um, you know, there's a great picture. I, I wrote a, the column. I, I, cause I got, cause I got to – it's weird. I, I'm a huge music fan, as you know. And um, I was introduced to the hit back in 96 from my buddy Jay Batten. But the, and he's from Windsor, Ontario. I mean, anyone in Canada knows the hip, and they love the hip. And it doesn't matter what age you are. The hip is part of your fabric in Canadian culture. And – I learned, like, through hockey, I learned that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'd go into a dressing room, whether it was here or anywhere else on the NHL NHL road uh, covering the Bruins, the hip was blaring. You'd always hear it, you know, and, you know, you talk to players who were into music and they, they'd always reference hip tunes and they, oh, I'm, I'm learning the guitar and I, you know, I, I just learned how to play the hip. And then, yes, you know, the day he dies, you got to look it up on YouTube. Um the Prime Minister of Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, went up and spoke about it and and broke down. And, you know, this is a a present, you know, I can't imagine Donald Trump ever doing that for a musician in the United States, I'll tell you that. But to see a, a leader of a country like that get so emotional about a musician just shows you what he meant. And that was sort of what I wrote about, like, he was Canada, and Canada is him. And so uh, we send this, uh, we dedicate this podcast to one of the biggest Bruins fans around, Lord Downey, the tragically hit. Rest in peace. It was in Bob Cajun, I saw the constellations reveal themselves one star.
like to bed this morning. 